would be beneficial to all. The goal was to encourage and help our members to be involved in reading and studying God's Word. We read in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. As a part of this plan, Matt put together weekly sermons that were based on the readings for the upcoming week. He tried to pick one topic from the upcoming readings uh, for the sermon, and then classes were designed during the week to aid in understanding these, as well as uh, uh, developing uh, questions, thoughts, and uh, discoveries that we could all share in those readings. By taking this approach, the hope was that we would all uh, gain more understanding from the reading as a group than we might gain in individual study. The reading schedule was also developed to make it reasonable to follow. There were days built into the plan that allowed individuals to catch up on daily reading if needed. It also provided highway ramps to get back on if you happen to fall off. We all know that daily Bible reading is a good habit to have. It is one that can be developed just as any bad habit. So just as many habits are developed from repetition, so too can our daily reading of the Bible. Let us be diligent in our effort to develop our desire to read the Bible daily. Our prayer is that we have all been blessed by the reading and studying this past year. It is also our prayer that we all desire to keep right on reading in 2016. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is gracious. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2-3. Tim. How many of you have heard the story about the preacher who got ready to preach and got a cough drop out of his pocket and said, I'm going to put it in my mouth and cough drops usually good for 20 minutes or so. And, you know, by the time the cough drop dissolves, you know, then I'll be done. And so he went for about an hour and a half and the cough drop was still as big as it was. And he started thinking, what in the world's going on? He noticed there was a button missing from his coat. So check, check your button, Ken. In all seriousness, we, uh, we the elders desire to improve our own leadership and uh, to better equip ourselves and our deacons for ministry here. And we want uh, you, the Lord's body here, to, to be aware of that. Anthony did a wonderful, masterful, I would call it, job this morning of describing Ephesians uh, 4, 11 through 16, uh, talking about that and how we each, uh, being priests in the Lord's body, need to be equipped for ministry. The eldership often feels like Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. Those of you who haven't read that for a while, that's when Solomon prays to God and he says, I'm just a kid. And here you have put me in charge of a group of people who I can't even number. And I don't know how to go out or how to come in. But he asked God for wisdom and God granted that wisdom. We want you to know that the eldership prays for wisdom. There are many times we will admit to you we don't know how to go out or how to come in. But we trust that God will give us the wisdom 
to judge between good and evil and to make decisions that are in keeping with God's word and his will. In March of last year, 2015, we had Brother Mark Blackwelder, who is a professor from Fried Hardeman, come for a weekend. We went to a, uh, a little cabin down in the Hocking Hills, and uh, Mark was very kind to teach and to mentor us and to encourage us and our preachers as to how we could better be more effective leaders and how we could work in closer union with our deacons and how we could better equip our deacons for their ministry. This uh, year, as, as the year unfolds, you will see that, that we want the Lord's body to be involved in ministry. We want each of you to be involved in ministry with the gifts that God has granted to each of you. As Mark uh, spoke to us, we were encouraged uh, and we decided that we wanted to better equip our deacons for ministry. We want our deacons to see their roles as ministries. That effort has resulted in an ongoing, uh, more than a year's worth really of study and discussion. Uh, the elders and the preachers have read books together, we have prayed together, and we have sought out our deacons for uh, their commitment to join us in this endeavor. These things have resulted in a new ministries chart, and they have also resulted in a change in the elders' area of emphasis. And we have continuing plans for the year 2016 on this. Back to Ephesians 4.16, the eldership here fully realizes that the aim is for the entire body of Christ and every joint supplying what it is able and what they can to cause the body to grow and to edify itself in love. We are beginning with ourselves, with our preachers, and then with our deacons. But our goal, the eldership's goal, is the work of ministry, with every part doing its share. Sam will uh, come up and talk about a trip to Toon, Switzerland at this time. I have no throat lozenge, so uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. Um, already this morning in Bible class and um, even in the, the items discussed this morning, you've been hearing words like encourage, aid in understanding, better equip for works of ministry, asking God for help, edify, grow, strengthen. These are all biblically rooted words. And these are words I want you to keep in your mind as I talk to you about uh, this trip we took to Tune. Um, I'm only, we're only shining the light on this, this Tune trip as an example of many, many ministries that are already going on in our own number here. And 
within those ministries, all of those who are involved in them will will be able to connect words like I just shared with you, but I'd, I'd like you to just think about these words as I share with you an overview of this trip. Um, this is one of the uh, ministries that we have in the congregation here that falls kind of under our overall mission ministry. And if you don't know, we do support a number of uh, foreign missionaries, but we also support several people in the local mission field, training um, in preaching and so forth. Um, in financial ways, we support them as well. Um, in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, most of us know that, that Jesus commanded us with these inescapable words. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This ministry of... Um, going to Toon, Switzerland as, as part of our mission effort has offered some surprises, which really shouldn't be a surprise necessarily because we have many examples of God doing unexpected things with unexpected people. So that's not surprising, but to me personally, I'm constantly surprised at the way he presents opportunities. For the benefit of those who um, may not have been here at the time this started or are relatively new, about four years ago, the elders made a prayerful and careful decision to purposely provide opportunities for our young people here to experience what it would be like to pack up their things, some of their belongings, and take their faith away from their home, from their home congregation, from their families, from their familiar daily environment. Any uh, biblical stories starting to ring a bell here when you think about that? And <clears throat> to go somewhere very different where there's a need um, with the only purpose really in their day-to-day -day life of being there to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to serve and encourage others. Those prayerful decisions led our group to a small congregation in a small city in Switzerland called Thun. Time does not permit a ex full explanation of uh, what happened to get us there, but it happened. And I don't know that any of us saw that door um, before us until it came. Three years ago, we left for the first of two trips thus far. We left with a plan to do many things to help the church there, and we ended up doing a lot, but we also learned a lot, and we connected with our brothers and sisters in Christ that were there. The truth is that we also we were also served and encouraged by them too. They brought us into their homes, they fed us, and helped us in many ways, which was part of the surprise because in many ways we, were thought, we thought we were there to help them and didn't realize how much they would be helping us. But you know what? Their work together to help us encouraged them too. After we returned and started talking about how to grow this type of ministry in general, taking lessons learned and going more and doing more, we decided prayerfully that we should return to Tune and try with God's help to build upon what we had learned. We really felt there were a number of things we could do to be more of more service and encouragement to the church there and also still provide an important growing and development opportunity for our young people. The church there not only wanted us to come back, but they embraced the idea and we set out to work more closely with them before we went back. We did things um, like collaborating together from the beginning on VBS. We did a, helped them put on a VBS the first time, and the second time we wanted to do that again. 
And they had learned a lot from our first visit about what VBS could be and do and, and how it could help their congregation. And so we worked closely with them to get ready. And what resulted was a really interactive vacation Bible school that was held at an outdoor location and, we, and ended up with three times the number of kids that we had the first time we went. And, um, and it also provided an, uh, an opportunity for the parents of these visiting kids and the, and the members to spend time together, um, a lot of time together during that. And so there was a lot of connecting that was done there. It was really eye-opening, all with ideas that came from the church in tune. With a better knowledge of uh, individual members, then we were able to plan specific ways to spend time with them, deepening relationships and talking about life and spiritual matters and growing closer together. With what we learned from the first time, we were able to plan more activities to bring their whole congregation together, which it didn't seem like they were doing a lot. In casual settings, just showing them how easy it was to just get together and have a picnic meal in the park, to just go on hikes and do things together. We even played a little bit of American football with them, which was kind of entertaining. We also um, planned for more time with them in the evenings. We tried to be home with them in their homes and, and fellowship together and eat together and talk. I know many of us spent long hours in the evening staying up late just talking uh, out on patios and, and talking about life and challenges in life and spiritual matters and talking about the church. And the results of all that have just really been too, too numerous to list, but here are a few things. On this last trip, a woman we met in the city uh, when we went in to sing and share information about the church there, she, uh, she came to worship service that next Sunday, and she continued to study after we left, and not long after that was baptized. Many bonds were created with our brothers and sisters, and many were deepened extensively. And many of us are in regular contact with several of the Christians there now. Then another surprise. We were asked by the minister and a congregation there to become their sponsoring congregation. Um, we didn't really know what that meant. I've heard that word, but we weren't sure what it meant. And so we had to dig into that. The elders have prayerfully agreed now to be the sponsoring congregation for that church in tune. Now I don't have time to this morning to tell you what all that means, but it means a couple things. In a physical sense, uh, the supporters of that congregation in the United States are, are sending their money here now for us to collect and send to the congregation in tune. So that's one kind of physical support we're giving them. But we also believe and have shared with the church there that it means we need to be more engaged with them and to continue to build our relationships and actively seek to be supportive and encouraging to them. We also believe this means we should send a small group of our members here to visit them on occasion, to assess the health and direction of the church there, to encourage the members and the ministers and his and the minister and his family, and to after the group returns from that kind of visit, to let the other supporters here in the United States know what we have found and the result of that visit. You can get more details about these things from. Uh, any of the elders or from uh, two of our deacons who work uh, closely with this ministry, Barry and Alan, if you'd like to do that. Uh, lastly, I would say to you that we plan to send our youth mission team back there in 2017, and we're prayerful that we can uh, continue to be a support to them, but also help train and encourage our young people. Speaking of plans for the future, uh, Nelson Kidder is now going to come up and speak to us about 
key plans for 2016 that the elders would ask all of us to take part in and find ways to fit our talents and passions into those plans. Thank you, Sam and Randy and Tim, for sharing with all of us as a congregation some of the key things that we see from 2015 and also as we look forward into 2016. As a congregation, there's many things that we do, but this morning we want to share three specific things that we view as key plans for the congregation here as we move into 2016. First of all, we plan to continue with our daily Bible reading. Many of you told us last year that you were enriched and grew from our daily Bible readings from creation to Christ. And so we plan to continue with, with that this year in a very organized fashion, but not just to pass out a reading schedule and say, we'd like for you to do that, but rather to all be in, joined together, as Randy mentioned before, in one reading. We're reading from the life of Christ, the Gospel of Luke, and the ministry of the early church, as found in the book of Acts this year. It's going to be a different amount of reading, Last year we were reading basically 10 chapters a week and this year we'll be reading one chapter a week. But we hope that this one chapter a week will enable us to get much more in depth study and meditation of these scriptures. Matt has put together journals with questions and assignments daily. And the thought is that by going back and rereading that chapter several times during the week and, and filling out the journal that we will gain deeper understanding and knowledge of the scriptures in this way. We also plan to have weekly lessons presented on the material that's been in our reading schedule as we did last year, again to help us un in understanding what we're reading. And we have classes planned both here at the building and in homes that would, design, would be designed to go deeper into the material in Luke and the book of Acts. A second initiative for the coming year is our Sunday morning adult classes here in the auditorium. For most of 2016, we'll be studying about ministry and the works of ministry. This will include leadership, but certainly a big part of it is all of us need to realize that every member <clears throat> is a vital part of the ministry of the church. We'll be looking into the principles of ministry, the structure of ministry, and how each one of us as a member of the body of Christ can participate in this ministry together. Finally, an important initiative that Tim already touched on is the elders plan to continue our efforts to further equip ourselves, to equip our deacons, and to, to equip all of our members 
for the work of ministry. We are presently planning for a seminar this spring for the elders and the deacons and the preachers where we would have a, uh, a speaker come in who would help direct all of our thoughts in the area of improving each of us as leaders and servants in the church. The elders seek to work with our deacons to help put them into ministries for which they have a passion. We understand that when someone is truly passionate about a certain work or about a certain initiative, that um, that is a lot more um, enjoyable for that person, but also uh, they're much more successful in it. And uh, they get a lot more accomplished when you're doing something that you truly care deeply about. And we want them to be able to work in areas where they want to serve whenever we can do that. With the help of our deacons and other workers, we want to organize the areas of ministry that uh, the, the chart that Tim mentioned that we have put together during our study. Ministries here at the church at Pickerington that we believe that we need to be involved in or that we want to see enhanced and do a better job with. We want to organize these areas of ministries in such a way that all of our members can be aided in being plugged in where their talents and their gifts best fit. Ideally, we would like for every member to be able to uh, see things that they would, would feel good about doing, that they would have a passion about doing, they could see a structure to that, and they could see where they could jump right in and be involved in that ministry. And so continuing with our daily Bible reading, our Sunday adult class focused on the ministry of the church, and finally continuing our efforts to equip ourselves and our deacons and all of our members for this work of ministry. In a little while after dismissal, Rick Gamp is going to be presenting our 2016 budget. We hope you will remain for this because as a congregation, we need to give liberally to allow even more works of ministry to be done as we move forward together as a body in this work. Ken Davis will now present an invitation for us. Initially, I wasn't given a time limit, but then uh, I got a little bit excited about that, so they decided to give me one. <laughs> so I have eight to ten minutes. I was trying to, I was, I told Candy I had like four extra minutes. Every time I tried to cut out two, I added four. So I, I'm just going to talk really fast, and hopefully I can get in uh, my, my lesson within eight to ten minutes um, that I'm allotted. Um, the first thing I want to, the title of the lesson is How to Make Real Changes in My Life. I think this being part of the first of the year, it's a, it's a normal thing to, to look at yourself. I know when we, we all become experts when we watch sports, sports and athletics, analyzing the game. But sometimes we're not as experts when we look at ourselves and we begin to internalize and begin to examine our own lives. 
and how we can better be servants of the Almighty God. Um, I can remember, you know, a couple of stories when I was little, and I don't know if I should tell these stories or not, but um, I was probably two and a half, three years old, and I had a, a helper, a, a partner in crime, if you will, and we had, my dad always had five-gallon buckets in the garage and things like that, and one time, Denny and I accidentally, or on purpose, uh, stepped into the five-gallon paint, pitter-pattered through the house, sitting there on the couch, acting all innocent. Of course, my mom was able to find us real quickly. Um, but the other story, and I want to qualify this story, is that um, no harm came to the animal, but we had a black cat, and we baptized the black cat into white paint. And so when we took it out, there was an obvious change in color. Um, but the point being, when you're trying to make changes, there should be an obvious, and we're not talking externally, um, but we're talking inwardly, and we're talking spiritually. There should be a evidence and change in, in your life in the way that you are striving to be a servant of the Almighty God. This is the time of year where we began to make New Year's resolutions. I think I read somewhere where a lot of New Year resolutions are... They are start in January and, and we quit, you know, by February. And uh, but thinking about that, I want to be a better person. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better parent. Well, how do I do that? And th th these are some of the questions that I'd like for us to briefly examine within our own minds. You know, how can I be the kind of person that Christ wants me to be? And we're going to be talking a little bit more specifically about that later on in the lesson. And I know I need to talk a little bit faster. Um, but sometimes, you know, we look at our lives and I look at my personal life. I look at my relationships. I want, I desire to have a relationship, a better relationship with my creator. I want to go uh, to live with God after this life is over. And we're going to be looking at um, a couple passages here in a moment. So the question arises, what are some of the ways I can accomplish this life-changing goal, how can I make real changes in my life? I want to make real evident changes in my life. How can I do that? First of all, God has to be real. God has to be real in your life. You have to believe that God exists. And we don't have the time to look at uh, Christian evidences, but if we just took a moment and we looked at logic and we, we looked at a million years ago or a billion years ago, because when I was in high school, it used to be millions of years ago, and then now they have to make it billions of years just to make it plausible, and it's still not plausible. But nonetheless, when you look at logic, it demands that there is a God. God has to be real. You have to believe that God exists. If I don't, then I don't have any chance or I don't have any motivation of making changes within my life. I believe that God is real. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that he exists. Elijah um, was one uh, where he challenged the prophets of Baal. There was 200 prophets uh, that he challenged. And he says, my God is real. Your God is not real. And so he challenged them. And, and he challenged them by making the sacrifice. You pray to your God and have him offer a, a fire from heaven. And so they prayed and they cut themselves and they did all sorts of things. But they were unable to wake up his God. And Elijah was mocking and making fun of them. You know, wake him up, shake him, uh, get his attention, so forth and so on. And so Elijah poured barrels of water on the sacrifice. He prayed to God and a fire came from, from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. Uh, Moses and the parting of the sea. You know, sometimes I, I will see a uh, special on, on the television show 
And it will talk about how science and trying to explain the parting of the sea with science. And they're unable to explain the parting of the sea. I don't need science to explain the parting of the seas by Moses because I know the power of God. I know that God exists. I know he created all things and I know he is able uh, to part the sea. God is real and he needs to be real in our lives. Um, but that's not... Um, <clears throat> But that's not enough. I need to believe more than that God is real. And I shouldn't have that mentality, well, it's better safe than sorry. I think that he exists. I'm going to pretend that he exists because it's better safe than sorry. I need to know and believe with all of my heart that God does exist. But secondly, not only do I need to believe that God is real, but I need to believe that the Bible is real. The law gods is real. Um, some people will say Logos, I, I pronounce it Logos, um, but nonetheless, the Bible was inspired of God. And again, that does not mean that I believe that the Bible becomes inspired. It doesn't mean that I think it's a good inspire, uh, inspirational book, but I believe that it comes from the Almighty Creator. Uh, so I believe that the Bible was real. Uh, there are many examples, but some of the earliest copies of the Old Testament books found in the Qumran Caves in 1940 back to over some 200 years before the time of Christ. And so one of the evidences of the Bible being inspired and not being able to be produced by man is that there are over 300 prophecies concerning Christ. And, and these prophecies are found in manuscripts that date back some 200 years before um, um, Christ actually lived upon the face of the earth. The Bible is beyond the production of man and it needs to be desired and so not only is the Bible real but I need to desire it and I need to apply it in my life and I need to allow it to mold me and make me into the disciple that God wants me to to be in Psalms chapter 19 verse 10 and 11 uh, David talks about the Bible and the scriptures and he says more to be desired are they than gold Yea, the much fine gold. And we look at the mega jackpot. Um, I don't think it's called that. Uh, I don't pay too much attention to it, but I know it's supposed to be over a billion dollars this next time. No winners yesterday. It sounds like a lot of money to me. Um, uh, not too much for the government, but it's, uh, it's a lot in my estimation. Um, but here the psalmist says that the Bible is to be a treasure. And it's to be treasured more than fine gold, yea, the much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is worn, and in keeping them there is great reward. And so I need to believe that the Bible is real. I need to, uh, to believe that I can build a real genuine love for God. You know, I can build a relationship with God. He not, he's not real far away. He's on the present. He's right here. And I can build that relationship. I can build, I can develop that love that should exist between man and God because God desires no one to perish. But he wants all men to come to repentance. He wants every single one of us to have a relationship with him. One that will enable us to encourage one another. One that will enable us to go out and do good works within the community. Uh, one that will enable us to allow our light to shine before others. That others should also want to glorify. I like what you have. I like the way you live. I want to be like you because you're like Christ. Paul says, be like me as I am of Christ. That's the kind of light that we need um, to shine. I need to build a genuine love for God. I have here as an example and this is my third and final point, by the way. 
so I hope I'm doing okay. I, I don't have my, my phone isn't a smartphone. It's not too smart at all, matter of fact. But, uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, I need to build that genuine love for God. I have an example here of the Syrian commander. What was his name? I know the young people would you know, know that Naaman. Um, and just briefly stating the example of Naaman who had leprosy. And uh, that's a terrible disease. And the servant girl says, well, there's, you know, he didn't know how to get a cure. He, there was no cure. Uh, he didn't know what to do. It was miserable. He was uh, um, terrible condition. And the servant girl says, go to Elijah, man of God. He can help you. And so he does. He goes to the man of God and he sends a servant. And he becomes angry. And of course, you know the rest of the story. Um, but he is given instruction. Go baptize yourself. Go dip yourself. Go plunge yourself some seven times in the Jordan River, and you'll be cleansed of this leprosy. Can you imagine being Naaman? I mean, we've all been sick. We've all had maybe some type of ailment, some worse than others, to where, you know, I just can't wait to get rid of that ailment. Leprosy is horrible, and it disappeared. Not when he baptized himself three times or five times or six times, but when he completed the instructions given to him by Elijah. He was cleansed. And can you imagine the joy that he felt after being cleansed from a physical ailment? And we are cleansed by a spiritual ailment that we have, and we can stand clean before God. That's something to be excited about. Romans 3.23 says, All of sin have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's what we can receive if we are open to developing a loving relationship, a genuine love for God, a real love for God. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. It's just comforting to know that we serve a, a living God, an almighty God, one that loves me personally, one that loves you personally, one that wants you to have a restored relationship with him. It's not like, you know, you, you're at work and, and your employee notices this person but doesn't notice that person and there's some bias, there, there's some special treatment that's, that goes on and this or that. God loves each one of us, as one historian says, as if there is only one of us to love. He loves each and every single one of us here present today. The invitation is yours as we uh, look at the title of the lesson again, How to Make Real Changes in My Life. I need to believe in a real God. I need um, to believe that the Bible is a real inspired book. I need to build a real genuine love for God. God is offering a real invitation. He's offering a real invitation. He desires that no one should perish. And concluding our lesson this morning, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy my burden is like God is not some God up there that is a tyrant waiting to punish you. God is a loving Father, and He wants you to come to Him. If you're outside of Christ, we encourage you to take advantage of this opportunity to be buried with Christ, to repent of your sins, to, to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, 
and to be buried with him, to have your sins washed away in a burial, in a watery grave, and to be raised a new creature in Christ. You know, when we look at ourselves, you know, for those of us who are Christians, we need to examine ourselves, and we need to be specific. When I say I want to be a better father, how can I be a better father? I can be one by doing this, this, and this. I want to be a better spouse. How can I do that? Be specific. Look for areas that you can make real changes in your life. If you're subject to the invitation, why wait? Why not come now as we stand together and as we sing?